Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. This place has come apart! The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast. I am Joe Cardosi, joined as always, by Mr. Jim Eichenhofer, the podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Today, we've got the Athletics' Will Guillory hopping on the podcast. It's been too long since we had him, and uh, I mean, it took a while. He was trying to brush us off, and we had to let Dark Jim out uh, every now and then. <laughs> uh, you know, people have been talking about the Jonas stare. People don't know about the Jim stare. Will brought it up. It's terrifying, yep. and uh, you know, he had to bring out the uh, the big guns today. Yeah, Will. Yeah, you know, I... Let's be honest. I mean, sometimes we have to twist a few arms, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's literally to yeah. get people to come on the show. Although I do think that you may have him, Will Guillory, confused with Andrew Lopez. He's he seems to be the one that's more difficult to get on the show. That's true. In this case, he has I a think bunch of riders. Right. In this case, I think uh, Will is a little bit more uh, accepting of coming on. Uh, as much as we want him, so we're, yeah, he is we're now. Ha- we're <laughs> after Jim well. left him a voicemail, uh, but yeah, I mean it was great. It was great to have Will on, and uh, and once again he, he got to see the monster. I got to say the Jonas stare. I I hope that ends up. Uh, I love the account at RetroPels on Twitter, mm. and uh, I hope the Jonas stare makes it to the uh, anthem video because it deserves to be there. I got to say my first time ever meeting Jonas Valanciunas was this season. It was for media day and everyone talks about how jolly he is. And what a nice guy he is. You know, you don't get that looking at him. You know, he doesn't, he's not a big smiler. You don't see him <laughs> laughing on the sidelines a whole lot. Right. So he comes into the studio and he's like, I have five minutes. And I said, <laughs> I'll be done in three <laughs> just trying to rush through. And yep. at the end they're like, no, he just does that. He was just joking. Right. Well, it, he didn't smile. So he looked scary enough for me to acquiesce. The, the players constantly talk about how he has like a very sarcastic sense of humor. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't know whether he's joking or not. It sounds like that was kind of the case, <laughs> yeah. especially if you don't really know him very well. It's hard to, yeah, he smiled later on in the, uh, in the time together. But yeah, at first I was yeah. like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever time you need. I feel like it's one of those things too where if you're not sure whether he's being serious or he's joking you're going to err on the side of caution and assume he's serious yeah, every when a time seven foot bearded lithuanian dude tells you his time limits you're listening <laughs> right and uh we're gonna get the gym stare trending uh we're gonna have to get a gif of it and it will chill you to your bones uh man zion career night for him 43 points just putting on the cape uh, final 14 points of the game scored by Zion, just absolutely putting the team on his back. My favorite quote, I think, from this week is C.J. McCollum talking about the offensive strategy of uh, the Pelicans down the stretch. Get the ball to Zion and get the out of the way. Seems like it worked beautifully. Yeah, it was pretty straightforward way of playing offense, of just you know spreading out the floor and letting him drive. Uh, yeah, see, part of CJ's comment was not suitable for a family podcast, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. He he got his point across, I think, very yeah. well by putting it in the terms that he did. I mean, Zion also mixed in a three-pointer in that stretch as well, just to say, like, okay, well, you know, you guys are all, all going to plant yourself on defense in the paint. I'll just shoot a three in, in, in a huge spot of the game. And games. you know what I love about that three is that because the Pelicans won by one point, you could look at any play in that game and say that's that was the winning point of the game, mm-hmm. whether it was when, uh, the, when the Timberwolves 
got into the free throw lane and ended up in a technical free throw shot, that could be the winning. Actually, you know, I'm going to say that the Jackson Hayes three won the game. And you could also say that the Zion three won the game. I mean, just, just so, if you had Jackson Hayes three and Zion three on the same bingo card, you're an oracle on gym level. And, and by the way, there's not going to be one, but <laughs> I could have done a gym rant on the D'Angelo Russell just oh. loitering around the free throw line and the fact that they called a delay of game on him. And I thought at one point they were going to call two on him. But but let's not do this. This yeah, is this yeah. is a happy yeah, time. We're, we're, we're in a good mood. We're riding, we're riding high. high. Yeah. We're, we have a first place podcast today. We did not have a first place podcast on Wednesday, but we yep. do now. So we're back up on the, the top of the Western Conference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just phenomenal what, what Zion did in that game. And, I mean – as I think Will Guillory gets into with the conversation with him, just he's still just scratching the surface. He's 22. Yeah. This is his third season that he's played in the NBA. I mean, I think it's easy to forget that sometimes that he's he's just barely over 100 games played. So, I mean, can't wait to see what else is in store from him. I mean, he's averaging 25.8.7 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 1.2 steals uh, in 33.4 minutes, which is actually his career high that uh, of minutes he's playing, and it's great to see. And it seems like the numbers are keeping pace with the minutes. The more minutes he gets, the more productive he is. And it just seems like that game against the Timberwolves was the beginning of a level up for Zion. Gus Kattengill talked about it. It just seemed like, oh, that's the next level of Zion that we've been waiting on. Yeah, um, after you mentioned the word football, I... I I kind of lost concentration there. I started <laughs> thinking about just Zion, the football player. But no, you're right. I mean, yeah. he, 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 his feet are just incredible. For someone as big as he is to be able to move the way he does, that's the thing that always impresses me, among other things. But also just how determined he was in the last few minutes of that game. He mentioned several times in the post game how I just wanted to win. I was just focused on trying to win, and and that kind of thing. And I mean, it was it was just. It, it's not easy to be have one player just take over a game like that and be able to do whatever he wants. So, I mean, that was – hopefully they don't need him to do that too consistently or regularly, but it's nice to know that, that you have that in your arsenal. Let's get to Will Guillory because it's been too long since we spoke to that man. And uh, whether, however we had to get a hold of him, whether it be threats, uh, whether it be uh, kindness, whatever, uh, we're just happy to have him. And uh, let's talk to the Athletics, Will Guillory. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. All right. Listen here and listen good. You brought up the Orange losing their bowl game yesterday. Now you're not picking up when we call you. I'm not not real pleased right now. Please, uh, we'll, we'll give you a call back and hopefully you answer. And this time, do not mention anything about Syracuse football. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) joining us on the pelicans podcast the athletics own will guillory you got to follow him on twitter at will guillory if you don't know how to spell it you ain't from new orleans baby how you doing will i'm doing well man it's good to be back it feels like it's been too long I, i see you guys around the arena all the time but this is my first time getting to talk to you guys on the pod in a minute, so I'm excited about it. 
It's been way too long. We've yeah. Joe, we've got to talk to our schedule, our our the person that books these our these extensive interviews. staff. I got to find which one of and, our people. And to frankly, talk to. and frankly, if we find that it's been you know five, six, seven weeks, way too long since we've had, there might be someone fired around here. Yeah, and, and maybe fought in the in the parking lot by Jim. You never know. <laughs> it depends on his temper that day. But uh, will we will get on it? Because yeah, man, we've been seeing you walking in uh, during the games, and uh, man, there's been a lot of fun ones, even in the driving rain. There have been some fun games to be had, and uh, I don't know if you would call that that last game against the Timberwolves fun, maybe in retrospect, but it was a nail-biter. Felt good in the end, though, didn't it, Will? I mean, yeah, it's fun if you love watching a little uh, football on the basketball court. You know, <laughs> shout out to Diaz, a little Russell. Uh, but no, nah, man, it was definitely fun because uh, I think that might go down as Zion's best game to date, uh, just because yeah. uh, uh, obviously him scoring a career-high 43 points, and then, and then him, you know, just taking over at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. And I wrote about this after the game with Zion. You know, obviously, when you look at his numbers, it's clear that he's, you know, among the greatest offensive players, you know, around right now. But what makes him so unique is that nobody really plays the game like him. You know, we see guys who uh, score a lot of points in the paint or are physically dominant, but nobody really just goes at you over and over and over again the way he does. I described it in my story, like Marshawn Lynch, the way he said in that interview, the way he said he runs the ball, he just hits you in the face over and over and over yep. and sees how long it takes before you fold. It's because Zion's kind of like that football. Zion. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's the beast mode of the NBA, man. I'm telling you, he hits you. I feel bad for guys like Jaden McDaniels and Torrey Craig, these poor dudes who got to go out there and check Z for 40 minutes because that's a whole lot of body he's putting on you. And he, he doesn't shy away from just giving you every bit of shoulder he can and man it just gotta wear down on you after a while and and for z he just doesn't tire he just keeps going at you and it's crazy to watch just his physicality and just his relentlessness and it, it was big for them in the fourth quarter uh just for him to keep that up all the way down to the end well you know as we as we know from years of experience you have to establish the run first and that yeah. opens up the passing game which i think <laughs> is something that is a real focus for him um what do you, speaking of kind of t- going at people, I mean, what do you think about what Zion's been able to do and did in the game Wednesday as far as aggressiveness against Rudy Gobert? I don't know what it is about Rudy Gobert. I mean, beyond the obvious of that he's 7'2", seven, 7'3", seven, but it just seems like players really enjoy trying to dunk on him, which Zion was able to successfully do in that game Wednesday. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this shouldn't be much of a surprise, right? It seems like every time Rudy Gobert plays against Zion, Zion finds a way to, to, to go right at him and score on him multiple times. And I think that's one of those things. He doesn't really talk about that much publicly because he tries to play the humble role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Zion kind of circles certain guys when they come into the building and say, hey, I got to prove something when this guy comes to play. And we all know Rudy Gobert is a three-time defensive player of the year, one of the best rim protectors of this generation. I think Z looks at that and says, "Okay, I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, see what that's like. I want to uh, experience that challenge and going directly at him and, and see how I hold up." And Z's won it over and over again. And the funny thing is, throughout Rudy Gobert's career, the, the defensive scheme on his teams is usually like, "Hey, everybody stand on the outside and let Rudy defend the paint by himself." And most of the time, he does it successfully. And when you go against Zion and the Timberwolves ended up doing this after a while. They they were sending double, triple teams at Zion every time, and it still didn't work. Zion was still getting to the rim. Uh, so it speaks to just, you know, how dominant Z is, how he's able to do exactly what he wants to do, regardless of the matchup. And also, 
just his relentlessness. It, it doesn't matter what you really throw at him, how how much teams try to scheme him out of going into the paint. He's going to get there regardless, and it's just crazy how good he is. You know, this, this it sort of feels right now in New Orleans like what we expected in 2009 when we drafted Zion. It feels like everything's sort of coming to fruition, sellout after sellout after sellout. That's one thing. But the atmosphere in the blender, I think it's something special. Even in other NBA cities, it just seems like something special. Yeah, the crowds have been phenomenal. And, you know, I've been covering this team for a few years now. Me and Jimmy have seen some dark times in that media section. Oh, uh, yes. But, man, I'm telling you, it's just been that. It's been some rough times in the Smoothie King Center and just seeing, you know, just the way the crowds have been these past few games, it's wild. And you see how much the, the city is behind this team. And, you know, we talked about this last year a few times on this pod, just – uh, in years past, you know, I think the team, the city was kind of behind Chris Paul. They were behind Anthony Davis. They were behind Drew Holiday, some of these yeah. star names. And now I think with this team, they really bought into this team all the way down to the 15th man. You think, I mean, every time Billy Hernan Gomez goes to the free throw line, you hear MVP chants from a few yep. fans in the crowd. You, you, you hear the Jose chants when Jose comes into the game. Trey Murphy, you see the not on herd shirts in the crowd. They love every almost every single guy on this team and it, it, i think a lot of that is what the team, the players have done to kind of embrace the culture of new orleans and embrace what this city represents and uh, a big part of it is just this city getting behind these guys and it's beautiful to see as a you know as a new orleans native as a guy who didn't enjoy a lot of the conversations people saying you know new orleans doesn't deserve a basketball team mm-hmm. uh they need to go, go take this team to seattle or vegas and i think you know, what we've always said is uh, what the players always say is that if you embrace the city, the city is going to embrace you back. And you see it with this team, I think, more than any other team in franchise history. Uh, they love this team. It's not just Zion. It's not just D.I. They love this team. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. By the way, Will, I think when the documentary gets made down the road that talks about the rise of the franchise and the path that they took, there should be a segment that's called dark times and maybe we'll have joel myers voice it over where he says like (laughs) those were dark times (laughs) but you know speaking of atmosphere and and you know just the way the smoothie king center's been lately i mean what about what do you think about the intensity of some of the games lately it just feels like there's like a grudge match almost every night lately yeah i mean i know will you're we we know you as someone who wants all of the smoke as they say I mean, what do you what do you think of uh, of of just the the battles that there's been out there between you know Pel- obviously Pelican Suns was like a national story, but even you know Timberwolves and and some of the other matchups lately, yeah. it just seems like it's been um, playoff like as far as just the the animosity out there. Yeah, I, I think part of that is you know people starting to looking around and say, man, I'm tired of getting beat up by Zion so much. So they're starting to because I mean, there's nothing you can do. You can get mad all you want. Zion's still going to you know, run you over uh, no matter what. But I, I think you know I've joked about this the past few games, but it seems like my man Najee Marshall is just dying to get into a brawl. He just can't wait <laughs> yeah. for somebody to test him on the wrong night. Uh, but yeah, I think you, you, you know we've seen the the brewing rivalry with the the Pels and the Suns. We've seen it. With the Grizzlies, ever since Zion and Ja came into the league, we know how the New Orleans fan base feels about Los Angeles uh, and, you know, Anthony Davis. Uh, I think you see more and more of these teams popping up. And I guess now you can add Minnesota to the mix with D'Angelo Russell saying Zion Williamson is more of a football player than a basketball player. But I, I just think 
you know, part of it is that we've seen this with Memphis the past few years. A big, I think more than anything, it's a compliment <laughs> when teams kind of have these moments against you. It's kind of saying, hey, you're good, and we want to prove something against you. And I think we're seeing more and more of that as teams come into the building in New Orleans. They're saying they're looking at it as a real challenge to beat this Pell team because they're so tough to beat in the Smoothie King Center. And part of that is what we talked about, the atmospheric, you know, how well Zion plays at home, how much he feeds off of that home crowd. And I think you're going to see it more and more of these teams coming in and feeling like they got to put up a fight just to stay in the game with the Pels, just to feel like the, the tidal wave won't hit them in the fourth quarter. And and it's, if anything, it's really good for the Pelicans team to deal with this. We saw it even in a game against Detroit earlier this season where it got chippy, few texts get handed out. Yeah. Uh, this might shock you, but Najee Marshall was in the mix uh, during the <laughs> <What>? altercation. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that the more and more they deal with that, the more they'll be prepared for it once they get to the playoffs. Because we, we know once you get to the playoffs and you play a team four, five, six, seven times, you get tired of seeing those faces. And you end up getting into a few altercations. And I think uh, but this Pelican team is going to be ready for it because uh, they've been there, they've done that, and they know uh, just how teams are going to try to go at Zion uh, just to get him off his game. You know, another upcoming game on the schedule is the Houston Rockets. I think on the undercard of that one is uh, Kevin Porter Jr. versus <laughs> Jose Alvarado. There's another guy that I, I feel like didn't win a lot of friends over in the Smoothie King Center when he was here. So there's another name on the list that's getting longer and longer. List. The good thing we know about New Orleans is they don't hold grudges. So I'm sure the <laughs> fans won't boo Kevin Porter Jr. Right. Yeah, they won't have homemade T-shirts or anything like that. No signs that are like deep references, <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah, New Orleanians get esoteric with their hate. That's what I love. Uh, you know, you were sort of talking about it, Will, in terms of, you know, the, the team chemistry. And right now, you know, the team is riding so high and it seems like no matter who they trot on the floor, whether it be their backups against other team starters, just to see them doing well. You look at this team now and and you sort of look like, man, you get EJ Liddell coming next season. You get likely a lottery pick from the Lakers, uh, but you almost don't even want to mess with the team at all. It's like I don't at the expense of whom I don't want to get rid of anyone. I wouldn't change anyone from top to bottom almost. I mean, of course, Wimby would be nice. But I wouldn't change anyone from top to bottom uh, be- because it's just so it's such a fun team to root for. You, you even the role players, everyone knows their name now. They know Jose. They know Herb. Uh, it's just a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I guess if you twist my arm and force me to add a, a seven three guy who can shoot threes and dribble, you know, I mean, on the yeah. perimeter, I guess that guy's fine. You gotta throw him at it. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Just the, 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 like you mentioned, the team chemistry, I, I haven't experienced anything like it in my years covering this team, uh, just the bond they have in the locker room, uh, just how together those guys are. And, and Jim knows this. And I think this goes for any NBA team for most of the time you'll walk in the locker room and you'll see these three guys over there. You'll see two guys over there huddling up, talking. You'll see maybe a few of the international guys over there doing their thing. Uh, but the, with this Pelicans team, man, all of them are together all the time. They're always joking. They're always dancing around. Jose's screaming about something constantly. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's just crazy how much they enjoy being together, how much they enjoy coming to work. And it's not work for them. Uh, they, they really just – it feels like school. Uh, I think those guys describe it as AAU basketball a lot of times. It feels like just coming in and being with your friends. And we just happen to be a professional basketball team. 
Uh, that's the way they move on a daily basis. And of course, winning helps. You know, when you're winning, everybody enjoys life. Everybody's feeling good when you're losing. Yeah. Everybody's a little bit more depressed. Everybody gets a little bit uh, more testy about mm-hmm. things that are going on. But I, I think you even saw this last year during some of their struggles that those guys, you know, were always joking around, competing and shoot arounds. And, you know, I, I just think it's something they they built something really special in that locker room. And I think no doubt if you're David Griffin, you have to consider that. Because at some point, you, you would think this team is going to say, okay, we want to move our chips in and really make a run for this. If they're going to stay at the top of the Western Conference. But again, like you said, at the expense of whom? Uh, which one of these guys are you going to remove from this equation? Because it feels like all of them play an essential role in the chemistry they've built in that locker room. And I think it's a beautiful thing to see just how much they enjoy being together. And I, I got to tell you, as a writer who comes around this team every single day, man, it makes the job fun. It makes it easy because they enjoy what they're doing and they're making it enjoyable for us as well. Well, when you started talking about, you know, the way things are with a lot of NBA teams and you mentioned, you know, there's a group of three players here. There's a group of three players there. Before that, I thought you were going to go down the route of, you know, you go in the locker room and everyone is in the training room hiding from the media <laughs> or like in the back somewhere <laughs> looking for an exit. So, and you walk in the locker room and you're the only one. It's like just you and the equipment managers because everyone is like trying to stay as far away from us as they possibly can. But it's funny, as you talked about, there's been so many times after home games this season where there's been several players in there just joking around with the writers and just joking around with whoever's in there just talking, you know, off the record and just having fun. Um, it seemed like Jonas after the last game uh, had, a, had a fun conversation with us too. And it seemed You're like scary at, one, at one point it seemed like he, I, I don't know exactly what he was, what he was referring to, but it sounded like when he was a younger guy, he was getting, he got into some confrontations here and there, maybe like off the court away from basketball, which I don't want to be that other guy that was on the other end of that. Oh, but, what did that guy look but, like? Uh, Is he still around? <laughs> But it was funny telling you. when he was talking about the the uh, scrap with uh, Austin River, or we were talking about the scrap with Austin Rivers, and the the stare that Jonas gave. I mean, wh- what did you think of of the uh, the look on his face there? Listen, man, I would never want JV to look at me that way. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I would be terrified. I would be a hundred feet away from him. That's for sure. <laughs> JV, I've I ever made JV that angry. And I joked with him after the game. I was like, JV, man, I like you when you're happy. I don't like when you're angry, JV. And he goes, yeah, I, I am happy. I'm always, I'm always happy. So I think that's the funny thing. When you see that side of JV, you see him on the court. He, he looks so intimidating. He looks like the Bond villain. He looks like he, he, he's going to come across the video screen and demand um, a billion dollars from somebody <laughs> for some type of scheme he's cooking up. Uh, but when, you, when you're actually around him on a daily basis, man, Jonas Valachuk is one of the funniest people that I've ever covered in this league. He's so slick with it. He's 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 very uh, jolly for a big guy. And I think yeah. when you watch so Jonas Valanciunas, jolly will be one of the last words you would think of when you watch him pummeling people down in the paint. But uh, that guy is extremely funny, and he he joked with us about the, the Austin Rivers altercation after the game. And Jim's right. He he kind of made it seem like hey. I almost went back to the old me when Austin <laughs> kind of threw that shoulder into me. I had to control myself, and I was like, yeah, I think I might be more scared of Jonas after this conversation. We tried to calm him down, and I think I might be more scared of him after that than I was after the, the, the stand-down because yeah. he made it seem like 
Uh, he, he's got a few bodies buried there over in Lithuania. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mask off Jonas is a terrifying concept. Uh, that stare down was enough for me. I was saying in studio, you ever seen that Homer Simpson gif, just him flow, you know, going back into the bushes? I would have done that with the court, just laid on the court <laughs> and played dead like a dog if I were Austin Rivers, which basically he did beg into the refs. Uh, Jim actually sent me a, a list, Will, of people that he thinks are probably banned from the Smoothie King Center, if not New Orleans as a whole. Uh, Gotta say, his list is pretty solid. D'Angelo Russell, uh, after the football comments, (laughs) solid. Kevin Porter Jr., of course. All of the Suns, another good call by Jim there. I gotta add Austin Rivers after the Jonas stare. Oh, yeah, and you gotta throw Eric Gordon, of course. He's number one on the list. How can I forget? Oh, How did any of us forget? I I mean, when you talk about Petty, uh, the New Orleans fan base, Eric Gordon... Literally made his comments about not wanting to be in New Orleans. What, like ten years ago? Like yeah, that would have <laughs> been that would have been twenty twelve. Like, yeah, these guys weren't even. I mean, it's crazy how long it's been, and the fans still hate him like he did it yesterday. It's wild. And of course, Anthony Davis got to be on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you got to throw Eddie Johnson in there with the with the fake booze comments. I'm sure Pelicans yep. fans won't be letting go of that for a long time. So yeah, the, the hate list just keeps growing with yeah. this team, and I think that's one thing for sure that. New Orleans has plenty of petty to go around, so we can keep adding names to the list, and they'll continue to keep that energy with all of these guys. And I think it's hilarious uh, just to see how much the, the fans really hold on to this stuff. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you right now, I think the way they've held on to that Eric Gordon thing for a decade now, I'm pretty sure the Eddie Johnson thing they won't be letting go of for a long time. Well, always a lot of fun seeing you uh, walking past, even in the driving rain, which hopefully won't be happening tonight. As we enter uh, the SKC, keep our fingers crossed. yeah, man, bring a tarp. So we're hoping for better weather, but it's going to be a full one again. We'll see if anybody else uh, wants to add on to the hate list and, and get on the uh, rivalry train. Hop on. We got room. Yeah, maybe Embiid's on there because he made the comments last year about looking around the crowd in Smoothie King Center and not wanting to be in New Orleans based on how empty it was in oh, the season yeah. opener last year. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll flash that on the screen tonight. I don't know. I just want to let the people know if you thought uh, JV staring at you was intimidating, just 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 think about my man Jimmy hitting you with that same stare down. If you bump him <laughs> in the scrum post game, I've been equally as intimidated by Jim Eisenhofer. <laughs> it's true. So don't let him fool you, folks. I just want to let you know. Yes, I often get confused for Jonas Valanciunas. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's like the Spider Man thing, just pointing. Which one is which? I don't know which one. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it, fellas. Big thanks to the Athletics' Will Guillory. Give him a follow on Twitter at Will Guillory. Give a follow to Jim at Jim underscore Eichenhofer for all the big news. Uh, Jim, another game tonight facing the 76ers. Joel Embiid. I'm glad Will brought up that petty uh, comment of his because we need some extra juice in the Smoothie King Center. We hope you're not tired from cheering your heart out the last few games because uh, we got to keep it going tonight. Yeah, this is a, a game that I think a lot of people are really looking forward to. I mean, you only play the Sixers twice a season, and you only get only get them once in New Orleans per year. So Joel Embiid, you know, up there in the MVP conversation. James Harden, one of the best players in the league, one of the best scorers in the NBA. Also, a guy that I don't think fans here are too um, supportive of. I mean, partly from I don't his know that years. Anyone in anywhere supports James Harden when he's playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's on your team, I think you love him. The Rockets fans were all about James Harden for yeah. several years. And even as someone who covers the Pelicans fans, I heard from them uh, far too often. This is this is 
first place in the West versus, uh, I think it's fourth, fifth in the East right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're climbing fast. They won. They just had an eight-game winning streak that ended when they lost to the Wizards on Tuesday, which was a surprising result. Yeah, a lot but, of expectations heaped on that team. Sure. You know, so. And they were not meeting them up until a oh. couple weeks ago. But now, lately, they've been just you know on fire and, and playing some of their best basketball. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that they don't have a nine-game winning streak coming into here, which was what I was expecting going into their game against Washington. But um, should be should be a lot of fun and... Um, like you said, I think the crowd is going to be fired up for this game. There's a lot of games coming up on the schedule that are really interesting. I mean, Memphis as well, yeah. which we haven't even mentioned that they play, play them on Saturday. That one's bulletin board right there. I mean, but but after Ja made those comments and then uh, the West started smacking them around a little bit, I still feel like it's our turn to uh, hop on that train. Yeah, and then next weekend, kind of the same deal. Friday, Saturday, Friday they play Brooklyn in New Orleans, and then they have a back-to-back at Dallas. So, I mean, those are two really intriguing games. By the way, the I'm sure a lot of people saw this yesterday, that the Brooklyn game is now on ESPN. It, the tip-off changed to 6.30. It's a sold-out game as well. Um, we've talked before about, you know, maybe the Pelicans deserve a little bit more national exposure, a little bit more on national TV, and I think we're going to start seeing that. I think you're going to start seeing, especially with the number of Teams that are off to pretty disappointing starts, you're going to start to see some of them get bumped from the schedule. I believe they bumped 76ers versus Bulls was the game that was originally on ESPN's schedule for Friday, January 6th, and now it's Brooklyn, New Orleans, and I think that I think probably Good all call. fans can agree that that was a that was a wise decision. Yeah, absolutely. So get loud, be in the Smoothie King Center tonight, and we hope you stay dry. That is Jim Eichenhofer. I am Joe Cardosi. This is the Pelicans Podcast presented by SeatGeek. Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you again next week. And until then, go Pels. Nice. (laughs) We'll change up. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans Podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.